Next. Okay. Yes. Uh, you are who? I am the All Father Odin. Uh, All Father Odin, uh, do you have a resume? Ah, oh, Odin does not need a resume. I have come to mm, try my hand at earthly jobs. I grow weary in Asgard. You don't seem to have grown weary of having that filthy raven on your shoulder. It's you, okay. you, you, you will be cleaning up after that thing, right? Odin does not clean a raven poop. Yeah, okay. Uh, I tell you, Odin, you're, you're looking very Modokian to me. What is this Modok you speak of? I am Odin the Allfather. I, you know, I'm not do stupid. Not endang- do not anger me, Earthling. I, I'm really not stupid. What is that, a phony eye patch? Give me this thing. What the hell is that? Don't hand me, knave. <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro as always and as always I am joined by my good buddy Dr. Bill Robinson. Hey how you doing? Hey where'd all this raven poop come from? I don't know. I'm wondering where where all these flies came from. Got me. I don't know. How are you feeling today? You look a little green. Feeling a little peaked. I don't know. I just I I have this urge to just sit in a pond. Mm. The ponder life. Ponder a pool. Pond would be good for you. Ah. Anyways, what's been happening with you, comic book wise, Doctor Bill? I understand you've had a busy week. Oh yes, yes. Uh, I um, I can't. Well, I've already thanked them publicly in person when uh, I received this gift. But uh, our good uh, buddy, founder of the network, all around nice guy, Scott. Oh wow, what would we say for the H? Scott, uh... Hell of a nice guy, Gardner. Yeah, that would be good. One hell of an American, Gardner uh, was kind enough. To to uh, give me his copy of Avengers number four. That's an incredible gift. Now, I, 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 I haven't even opened it. I'm, I'm afraid to even touch it. Which could be part of his master plan because it could just be a cover and a bunch of blank pages in between. <laughs> he just went to, to his he'll staples. Never, he'll never open it. He I went swear. to his staples and printed it. <laughs> but no, uh, in a... In a formal passing of the book ceremony that took place outside Andy's timeshare, Mr. A- Andrew Leyland, who I got to meet in person this past week. I know you're going, yeah, 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 rub it in, rub it in. But but we all wish you know you- I am very jealous. I know you are. As good friends as we all are, and Andy is one of our best buddies. Just like you know, he's one of I think I think he's one of those guys that everybody considers him one of their best buddies. And uh, to miss out on a chance to meet him face to face and shake his hand and spend some time with him and Angela and Anya, 
I am very, very jealous. Oh, well, I do have to tell you this. He almost took me out when we first met because we met at Epcot. Uh, okay, there's a gasp in the audience. Oh, Dr. Phil went to Epcot? Oh, I thought he hates Epcot. Oh, and everybody who's doing that right now, you are correct. <laughs> no, I don't hate Epcot. It's just that I never get to see the stuff, fun stuff in the front. I he always get stuck Epcot. going in the back. But Scott got some, was able did, to get some fast passes, and I got to actually do stuff in the front. Did you so go on Soarin'? Yes, that was awesome. That Isn't was, that like the, that's like the best ride. That is, and apparently I am allergic to the Great Wall of China. <laughs> because when we started flying over, well, I came down with some weird cold slash, I think it was more allergy, although Scott now blames me because he says he has a cold that came from me. Um, but I was sneezing my full head off all day Friday, all day Saturday, so much so. And I was out in public, so I was trying to hold those sneezes in that by Saturday night, Sunday morning, my neck hurt, my ribs hurt, my stomach hurt. Oh, I was in a lot of pain. But I didn't want to spray my germs all over my buddies. So, But anyway, uh, so, so, so I come up to Andy, and... He, uh, uh, you know, we hug. Then he goes, oh, now, okay, I'm leaning over into Andy, hugging him. And he goes, oh, come here. And he just jumps up and wraps his legs around my waist. <laughs> now, I, I was not, you know, how you pivot your body in certain, like, leaning over, hugging someone is not when a full-grown man decides, you know. So I started to go over and down. And luckily, Scott was there to break our fall <laughs> because we fell into Scott. At least you had a soft landing place. <laughs> so, but then the next morning, we uh, when we got together, Scott uh, passed on to Andy his copy of uh, Shazam and Superman Treasury. And he also passed on to me Avengers number four because he, he would rather see me complete have a complete collection then because he only has like a certain handful of those knowing now that i'm only one away from 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 finishing um you know to have a full set of volume one and, and that's that's wow so yeah it's yeah that's that's an incredible uh gift i know you saw the video i was real i was shocked it gave me goosebumps i had goosebumps i, I see like, avengers oh. 2 one bid two hundred dollars Avengers bid, buy it now, $205. Avengers, 200 or best offer, $450. It looks like 200 is the price range that people are looking for. Whether or not they're getting that, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't even really look, looked at that. I did look for it in some of the stores we went into uh, over the past week, and, and I, I did not. I did see a number one, uh, four going for about 200 but um which i don't know what condition it would be in and i saw some fives and a few others below 10 but but no twos were found anywhere so that's okay that's all i need and, and again i'm just so so stoked now so just so excited because of that is you know because that's just one you think i'm never going to get that it's just not going to happen you know it, it's just not going to come my way yeah, I was I was I was a little disappointed with Scott's response because I put on Facebook I put you know what would I have gotten and he was like you'll get nothing and like it, <laughs> but get but back I, of I, my hand. I, 
I told him the response I was hoping for was, I had a copy of Amazing Fantasy 15 for you, but you weren't there, so I gave it to a hobo. <laughs> I gave it to a guy he was a little cold. I ripped it up and made a I sheet out of it. I set it on fire for him to keep warm. <laughs> anyway, I, I have some shout-outs, too. Uh, nothing of, of that magnitude, but still stuff I appreciate. Uh, Kirk Greenfield has sent me the Avengers Point One series that's been coming out lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 1.1, 2.1, 3.1, 4.1. And he left me hanging, so I had to buy myself 5.1 because he sent them before the fifth one came out, which I still appreciate very much. And uh, it's it's all like flashback issues to when uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye came onto the Avengers with Cap. And okay. we're going to end up covering that in an upcoming Avengers Spotlight. But I appreciate those very much. It was kind of fun to read, and I look forward to covering them. Cool. Uh, Jason Sandberg sent me several of his own books, which I think are cool. I mean, they're they're children's books. They're not meant for people of our age group, but it's still cool to have somebody who we know. Hey, speak for yourself. Who's a publisher and and sends that stuff. Who's who's been published, rather, and sends that stuff. Uh, He also sent me the Superman Lois and Clark series recently, which is pretty highly... <clears throat> praised, so I, I have to sit down and read that. I'm looking forward to that. Plus a couple of other just scattered issues. And then uh, our friend uh, friend of the show, Socrates. Socrates Alvarez sent me some books. Yeah, I know he was asking for our um, uh, want list, but I unfortunately don't have one. Although... You're going to need to get on that. Although, I did... There, There's a new app... Um, <laughs> so we're in a comic book store in um, Orlando, and I've got my book, a hand you know, handwritten book, and I'm I found a, a run of Avengers Academy, and I'm like you know, I'm going through the stack, and I'm and I'm erasing ones I have, and this guy comes up. <laughs> I did this impersonation for my wife, and Ben's like, "Wow, you did that guy spot on!" <laughs> like, hey, brother. Wow, you're really doing that. That's like, you know, 20th century. You got to get with the 21st century technology, man. Uh, and I kind of look at him, and he's like the smaller version, a smaller, shorter version of the comic book guy from The <laughs> Simpsons is what he looks like. And I'm just like looking at him like, uh-huh. Yeah, so you got to get this uh, CJZ app here. And uh, what you do is, uh, you, you know, you just go in and pluck what you got, what, what you need, what you got. Actually, I have that app. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll finish his uh, spiel. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Um, well, good. Then after the show, you can answer some questions for me because I'm on the edge of buying it. And I'm like, so is that free? He's like, well, no, it's $16. I'm like, $16? What? I thought it was a little less than that. Well, I checked, and it's fourteen ninety nine. Okay, it is. So it is that much. Yeah, but, so, but if you wanted it for like your home computer as opposed to your phone, it's like forty dollars or fifty. What? Some, some crazy amount. Yeah. Well, but how do I? Well, we can talk about that later. Let's just continue with the show. But I mean, so you could do it for free up to a hundred books. Right. So I tried a few things. So I mean, I guess I could be a cheap sob. And just do that and do 100 books at a time that I need. But that could be annoying after a while because I know I need more than 100 books if I really want to get back into it hardcore. But then I'm like, well, once I have it in the app, 
well, one, it's going to be in my work. And I, I don't use the quote unquote quote as I'm putting up my fingers, the cloud. I don't understand the cloud. I'm just, a, you know, I can work with 21st tech century technology on fire alarm systems. I have a goddamn idea how the cloud works. So, <laughs> so I'm like, what is this? What is this magical cloud you speak of? My data goes there. I don't understand. How do I get it to another computer? See, that's my problem. It, it, but you're saying I got to buy something else for a computer. Eh, see, how, how do I get it out and print it out in a now, paper Now, there's, there's supposed to be a way, and I have yet to really experiment with it. There's supposed to be a way for you to ex export the list to a hard copy, which you can then print if you want. See, that's what I looked for, and I couldn't see it. Maybe it's not in the free app, because I looked, and I couldn't find a button or a set of buttons that would allow me to transfer it to, to something else. But maybe I just haven't looked hard enough. Maybe somebody's listening, although by the time this comes out, <laughs> it'll be like two months from now, so who knows? If, uh, but uh, I don't know. Maybe we could talk. Maybe tomorrow I'll talk to the, the, the geek community at the get-together and see if anybody else uses it after we talk later. So. Maybe. So, all right. Well, that's that's yeah. Well, yes, and just just is. to touch a little bit further on what Socrates gave me, he sent me over uh, a couple of issues of Iron Man, including a nice Bronze Age one. Uh, well, actually, these are all kind of Bronze Agey, uh, a little towards the edge of edge of the Bronze Age. But a couple of issues of Iron Man, a couple of issues of Thor, a Hulk, and he sent me all but two of the issues that I needed to complete the run of Fifty Two. Oh. I had I had I needed about I don't know well he sent me probably about six issues I needed eight so now I'm down to just needing two issues to complete that one. Hmm. So that was very nice of Socrates and I appreciate it very much. It's always nice to get free stuff. Yes. You know I I'm, I've been the, not that the thought has never crossed my mind but I've been loath to even seriously consider doing anything like a Patreon thing. Which, mm. you know, you, you're just asking for donations, you're not charging, so it's, I, you know, I, I don't have anything against anybody who does do that, but I really don't donate money to shows, because I feel like I put out a show and I don't ask for money, and, uh, you know, I listen to other people's shows and I don't give them money, so it all evens out in the wash as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, but every once in a while, you know, when somebody says, hey, I appreciate what you're doing here, I'm going to send you some stuff, it's, it really makes me feel good. It's, it's just a nice feeling. First of all, it's nice because it's nice to be appreciated. And second of all, it's nice because I like getting free stuff. And that's all. Are you ready? I am ready if you are. Yep. I don't think we have any new comic book news other than the Thor trailer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I Woo. saw that and I was just like, oh my God, I don't even care that Guardians is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been looking forward to Guardians. Okay, so I'll just say this real quick. So the day prior to the trailer c coming out, we I was driving Andy and company around. And at some point during the drive, I did the immigrant song, you know, that's in that trailer for no apparent reason. I was just going, ah, I come from the land of the ice and snow. And I heard Andy laugh, right? So then the next day, I watched the trailer online, and I'm like, wait a minute, wasn't I just singing that song? And I confirmed with Andy, didn't I sing this? Song? He's like, yeah, you did. Uh, like, I'm psychic. Uh, I knew what the music, yeah, whatever. But yeah, that was, that, oh, wow. That looked great. It just looks like so much fun. He's a friend from work. 
<laughs> now, one of my friends, I have, I have two friends at work who are uh, who are comic geeks, mm-hmm. and and one I consider to be very very reasonable, and the other one is is a little bit curmudgeony when it comes to these movies, and for whatever reason, he he is not excited by it because he just is totally turned off by the whole presence of uh, Jeff Goldblum in there as the Grandmaster. Well, I'm glad he doesn't have a huge head because that would have looked ridiculous. My take on that was the only aspect of Jeff Goldblum being in there that I don't like is that when I see it, I know, oh, yeah, that's Jeff Goldblum. Mm. Like, I'd rather have somebody unknown. But if they had cast, if Jeff Goldblum was not a known quantity and they had cast somebody exactly like him in the part, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's the Grandmaster. It's fine. Mm. (laughs) Like, I wouldn't even think twice about it. So it doesn't bother me. I guess they could have CG'd him with a huge head because Thanos is CG. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, and Josh Brolin's going to be Cable in yeah, uh, that too. the Deadpool movie. Yeah. Really interesting. I don't you know. I, you know, I I think you know he's fine as Thanos, but I've never thought of Josh Brolin as a great actor. So, you know, I, I'll I'll wait and see what he's like as Cable. Oh, you think he's just cashing in on the uh, comic book thing? I mean, he's been in Men in Black. He's been. Uh, he was actually very Hex. good in Men in Black Three. Hmm. See, I haven't seen that all the way through. I haven't well, seen. He, he plays where... the younger version of Tommy right. Lee Jones, and he does it very well. From what I, I saw of it, I've seen of it. It looked okay. Not not a joke there. Yeah. Okay. Get it. Anyway. <clears throat> so I guess we'll just move on. <laughs> I, I remember, like he he was in the uh, remake of True Grit, and uh... that was oh man. I was locked up. Oh my god! I keep. I was locked up the other day and couldn't remember the John Wayne western that was remade. And I was like, I knew everything about it. I knew he was he was riding with the saddle, with with the with the whatever the reins in his mouth, shooting his guns. I knew it was Jeff Bridges. Fill your hand, you son of a bitch. But I could not name the name, and I was going Rio Bravo. The shootest. I mean, it was just, it was, it was, oh God, it was just like that moment in the theater when I yelled out the wrong answer to a Star Trek trivia question. <laughs> I saw True I saw True Grid as a kid at Radio City Music Hall back when they used to show movies there. So it's got a, a lasting nostalgic feeling on top of the fact that I just think it's a really good movie. Yeah, and it was pretty realistic too because you rode your horse in and tied it up outside. Oh, sorry. Well, back then we didn't have those uh, newfangled motorized cars. Yeah, and it was dirt on the floor when you went in. And you liked it! <laughs> anyway, I have the Marvel this week. <laughs> yes, you do. And I have chosen for your listening enjoyment Amazing Adventures number 5 from Amazing. March of 1971 with a cover price of 15 whole cents. Whew. And at this point, the book was a shared book with the Inhumans and the Black Widow. The cover, which is credited to John Buscema and John Verporten, has a vertical split right down the middle. And I don't know if one of them drew one side and one drew the other, Hmm. or if John Buscema drew drew the whole thing and John Verporten inked the whole thing. I have no idea. Do you have an an opinion on that, looking at the cover? I think Buscema did the left side. That would be my inclination, but I can't. I cannot tell for sure that the right is not a Buscema. Mm. I don't know. Anyways, on the right side, it's a rooftop shot of some dudes wearing green outfits with stars on them, throwing the Black Widow from the roof, 
And one of them is saying, Merry Christmas, Widow, from the astrologers. They look more like Santa's little helpers. <laughs> and if you look, there's one guy who's like falling and one of his friends is trying to help him. And he's really doing a half-assed job of helping him. I got you. Whoa. He's really not giving him much of a grip at all there. Yeah. And on the, well, but, the guy that's falling off the building is looking at Black Widow's butt, too. Yeah, well, that's what you get. Mm, yeah. They're wearing the green outfits with the stars on them and then green pants. That's a cool gang. <laughs> on the left side, there's a, a city scene with Black Bolt front and center with the statement, if Black Bolt, speak, Black Bolt speaks, a city dies. Black Bolt is clearly screaming and the city is being shattered. Yeah, it looks like that building behind him has been torn right in half. Torn asunder. That's that's a pretty detailed building because they have included the uh, the fire escapes on the side of the building, mm-hmm. all the mangled and wrecked chimneys. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So for today, I'm only covering the human side of the book, and we may revisit the second so- the second half of it, which is a Christmassy story uh, or a Christmas time story at least. We may revisit that later in the year when we do our Christmas episode, possibly. The Inhuman story is called His Brother's Keeper. It's written by Roy Thomas, penciled by Neil Adams, inked by Tom Palmer, and lettered by Sam Rosen. Oh, can I, I just Go want ahead. to say Go one ahead. thing Go before you... Yeah, you know, I always interrupt you anyway. That's okay. This... Op- okay, now, when I... I'm looking at this in a PDF scan, and as I scroll down, I did not see who the artist was at first. So when I scroll down, I, I see... Because in o- o- opening splash, you have... Uh, Black Bolt is flying at you, and I was like, oh, look, a John Byrne Black Bolt. <laughs> and I was like, wait, John Byrne did this? And then I scrolled down, oh, Neil Adams. And the first couple pages, I was like, wow, this really looks like John Byrne to me. But then it kind of went into Neil Adams. I don't know if that's because of the Tom Palmer inking or what, but I was like really – I like the art, but I was just like, wow, this is – it just looked like two different artists – on certain from from like panel to panel, sometimes I couldn't. I swore it was John Byrne. With, see, I could see where John Byrne's art was influenced by Neil Adams, but I don't think I would ever mistake one for the other. I don't know. I don't know if maybe more of like in the John Byrne Terry Austin period is what it kind of looked like, like in the X Men. Um, just just more on Black Bolt's face, not the rest of the background. But 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 just it, it, it was really on faces, uh, not on like full full pages, and and only every now and then. So, but anyway, I I yield the floor back to you, and I re- I accept the floor on, from you, my friend. <laughs> Our story opens with this missive: You are Black Bolt. You are Monarch, born of the Inhumans, defender of the Great Refuge. Beloved of Medusa, and you do not want this—you do not want to streak this morning from your hidden land, eh. and you do not want to streak this morning from your hidden land. But your people have need of this mission, which you alone may undertake, and is not each of us his brother's keeper. Eh. So the splash shows Black Bolt <laughs> flying towards the reader, as Doctor Bill said, as Medusa and Karnak wave goodbye and Gorgon. Gorgon looks on angrily. He immediately gets on Medusa's ass for keeping him from questioning Black Bolt. The issue 
at hand is that Maximus, who is sealed in a cylinder, hovering at the brink of death. Medusa trusts that it's for the best because it's what Black Bolt has indicated. The other two aren't quite so quick to accept this and that it was done without any malice. As this is going on, Black Bolt is soaring towards his destination, which is merely called The City, which I presume is New York City, since that's where 99% of Marvel's action takes place, at least mm. in that era. In the city, ah, ah, Cutting back to the Great Refuge, where Karnak and Gorgon both sneak to the cylinder where Maximus is being held. Like you can't tell who they are in their shadows. <laughs> yeah, really. They fear that Black Bolt is killing Maximus and decide to open the cylinder because what harm could it do since Maximus has no superpowers? (laughs) Famous last words, I tell you. Back to the city where Black Bolt comes across some hoods who are making a kid enter a building through a window so that he could open the door for them and they can empty a warehouse. But one of the hoods is, excuse me, empty a warehouse of its goods. One of the hoods is the kid's uncle, who gives the kid the back of his hand when the kid refuses to do it. This sends Black Bolt into a rage, and he ripped the little elf's head off. <laughs> it was all he could stand, because he couldn't stand no more. And he makes quick work of the thugs, and then attends to the youngster. He decides to take the kid to a doctor, but takes the clothes from one of the thugs in an effort to look a little bit more normal and not cause mistrust. Just leaves some naked thug there. Back in, back in Adelon, where Gorgon and Karnak combine their abilities to break Maximus from his cylindrical prison. As soon as they do, a bolt of brainwave energy bursts from Maximus's skull, traveling around the world, impacting Black Bolt and knocking him to the ground unconscious. <laughs> Conveniently, the kid wakes up and drags him from the sidewalk. Wait, 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 wait. Let me try, 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 try that again. How's that? Is that better? That's much better. Okay. Back to Adelon, Maximus is tormenting his rescuers, telling him, telling them that he has developed the power to blank out minds. It's kind of a very specific power, don't you think? <laughs> and he he has used it on Black Bolt. He gloats that an amnesiatic Black Bolt won't know that his whisper can destroy a city. The last scene is of the now-awake Black Bolt with the kid who's trying to get him to speak. Next issue, Hell on Earth. And the last page is him going, (sighs) getting ready to say something. Taking that deep breath, getting ready to speak. I, you know, when people have ragged on the Inhumans, I remember this run and then there was the run not too long after this, I guess around 1974 where they had their own series. And I thought they did a really good job with it. I thought they were compelling. This one, you had some some uh, Neil Adams art, among other people. And in that one, you had some Gil Kane and, and uh, George Perez art. Mm-hmm. So I thought I thought that was you know some really good stuff. I remembered it fondly. But everybody would be like, eh, the Inhumans, Inhumans, who cares? <laughs> the Inhumans, Inhumans. <laughs> And, uh, you know, now now Marvel is pushing the Inhumans down everybody's throat because they don't have the movie license to the X-Men. Oh, we can't use mutants. The humans so, is close. They're uncanny now. <laughs> it's uncanny and humans. Get it? Get it? <laughs> you know, it, it's just... I liked it better when they were more of a... Uh, you know, just, just more, more of a kind of thing that I was aware of and other people didn't know about. 
mm-hmm. more of a cult level hit. But I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this a lot, and I yeah, kind of like when vaguely... we were all into Doctor Who, and then all of a sudden everybody's into Doctor Who, and we're like, where the hell are you people? Yeah, you're not allowed to like Doctor Who now. That's right. Of course, I'm one of those latecomers anyway. I only started watching Doctor Who two years ago. <gasps> Get out. <laughs> and I'm still way behind. But anyway, I, I thought this was a really cool story. I like when the Inhumans focus on the royal family. I don't like when they go anywhere else, really. You know, you well, really, what else do they characters. have? I mean... Well, I mean, in the well, the quote unquote MCU, if you count Agents of Shield, they've really they don't have the royal family. I mean, that's kind of not not we'll yet. See. Apparently, we'll see what they're gonna do in the uh, Inhumans TV show that they're coming out with. Yeah, I mean, aside from the royal family, you had what the Alpha, the the Alpha primates that live below them, yeah, and you had, the, you had the evil Inhumans. You had the uh, what's his name, Tiberius was the tree guy. Send it, send yeah. a tour or something like that. that I don't remember that. Huh. Yeah, there, there was like a group of Inhumans that would kind of follow Maximus's lead, and they oh, were, you know, oh, they oh, were I got evil. You. I got you. Yeah, speaking of him, that's the same outfit. I kind of remember that from uh, the Avengers. Well, this is around the same time. Yeah. In fact, I think it ties in somewhere to the... Uh, is it the Kree-Scroll War he's wearing that? It's the Kree-Scroll War, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's pretty distinctive digs. Pretty fancy egghead shaped Vincent Price looking helmet. Excellent. Ecstatic. Especially anyway. since before this point he didn't have any superpowers. I don't have superpowers, but I'm gonna wear this super costume with a big cape and a and a headpiece. Where is my super suit? But you know how quick Gorgon and Karnak are to distrust Black Bolt. Yeah, I was kinda like, where is this coming from? Why are you guys so, you know? Uh, well, since when do you suddenly care about Maximus? Ah. I mean, their, their motivation as written is that they're concerned that, that Black Bolt is just out for revenge against him and that he's, well, he's setting he... him up to die in there. But, I mean, really, Black Bolt has never, at least at this point, I don't know in recent days if they've done anything different with his characterization, but at least at this point, they, you know, he's, he's never been, done anything that wasn't, you know, above board. Well, or, you know, because isn't the only one he can really communicate with directly, Medusa? Somehow he lets his feelings be known. I don't know exactly how. This He's is the kinda, first. <laughs> I kind of picture him with like a, a Jim Carrey-like empathic face. <laughs> Making all these different facial features. Yeah. This I think is the he... first time I ever remember Black Bolt being shown without his costume on. Yeah, and apparently he stole Pietro's hair. Quicksilver's hair, just without the white in it. See how it's got the little uh, wings and stuff there? Yeah, no, I, I think that those are wings because he's falling down. Right. No, 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 because he, when he's in the last two two panels, look at his hair. It's all whooshed up. Of course, he could have he- helmet hair. Yeah, I, I, I just think he's. I just think it's all messed up. I don't think. Well, well, I, don't, well, I don't think he's got the Pietro wings. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying is that he's got helmet head from wearing that headset all the time. You know, the headpiece. It's kind of made his hair all funky. The headpiece of Ra. <laughs> He's got the tuning fork on his head. What if you snap that thing with your fingers? Would it, you know, would it make the tuning fork sound? What no? about the the one on Lockjaw's head? Hmm. Coincidence? I think not. 
I got no proof to back that up. I'm just <laughs> what did you think of the issue? Oh, it's uh, it's nice to have these little tales of the Inhumans that I've never read before, and uh, of course, being Neil Adams' art, or as sometimes I looked at him and thought, was that John Byrne? But you could really see the Neil Adams when um, uh, Black Bolt Black Bolt was enraged when they've got the close up of his eyes and he's all and they colored the panel kind of yellowish to show rage and then he lashes out so and then poor poor little joey little boy he's got the tear running down his eye and he's biting his lip that's a that's a classic adams there man uncle roscoe's a douche yeah <laughs> you know, i look kid. at this though and uh like I, I i would think i'd like it better if tom palmer had been just a little bit tighter with the inks and yet this looks to me like when almost like when Neil Adams inked his own work. So I think this is what I think this is Neil Adams preferred style of inking, mm. even though it's not necessarily my preferred style. And I think Tom Palmer is a great inker. So don't get me wrong. Yeah, but I think I think he was inking this the way Neil Adams wanted it inked as opposed to using his own style. I think with his own style, it would have been a little cleaner. Mm. No, no, this is this is cool. I like this. I I often forget that this because Adams' style was so different at the time. Mm-hmm. You, and, yeah, he was truly innovative at the time, just like Starenko was innovative in his own way. I mean, because when you go to the next, just to kind of just peek ahead, because it's in the same book, but we won't really talk about the story. If you compare the art, the art's done by Gene Colan. And so also it, another, another innovative artist. Yeah, but it also has a different style um, and a very nice style of uh, Black Widow. Um, but but you can still see the difference, and it's still his style is still a little bit of the old Marvel, I think, or just in my opinion. But but it's still like old Marvel, but kind of freshened up. Whereas Adams is just strictly his own, you know. You know, because he's got things coming out. Like, Colin stays within all... I'm scanning through real quick. Colin doesn't break any of the borders. He may change the borders, make them look different, but... And then there's only, like, one or two point where, points where some of the... Um, some of the text will go out of the borders, but I doubt that's, that's, that's on Colin. His art stays in all the borders, whereas Adam's... Like you have one where Black Bolt is looking to Joey after he's been knocked out and his feet are sticking in the panel below and his head and back are protruding a little bit in, into the panel uh, below. And there's there's a few other places where stuff pokes out. I'm trying to look real quick. Yeah, the, uh, the last panel where Black Bolt's head is protruding into the panel above, which is, you know, Adams was always fresh and, and you know, the, I guess that was his thing to draw – the panel borders at odd angles instead of the straight up and down verticals and horizontals and 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 squeak, you know popping things outside of regular art boxes to make it more realistic so to speak yeah, well, you know and that is a an artistic choice that needs to be done carefully i think neil adams did it tremendously i think he he's one of the best ever yeah you can't overdo it 
But I've seen guys who do it for the sake of doing it, and it doesn't mm-hmm. seem to have any purpose in storytelling or the flow of the page or anything like that. And it's really it's, it goes to the Jeff Goldblum in uh, Jurassic Park, you know, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you got you got to pick and choose your moments. Just to be artsy for the sake of being artsy doesn't really do anything for the book. But when you start looking at how the page is flowing together and how the story is going and moving it, and you know, then then now all of a sudden it's serving a purpose, and and that's what I want to see. Well, like the third page in where Black Bolt is left and he's flying over the water. And then the first panel has him going over the water. The waves are kind of like whooshing around him as he passes. And then the next panel has him swooping down and his fingers are just poking out of the edge of the panel on the le- on his left, our right. And then on the other side, his hand is swooshing down into the next panel below. And it kind of looks like he's turning, like he's completing an arc. Because then in, in the panel below, you see where he's he's finished that turn and is now flying the other way. And Triton has actually surfaced up out, out of the water behind him. And it kind of looks like he's just whooshed down and just it gives it that illusion of motion, I think, between the two the two pictures. At least for me, it does. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it does. I think it, it like I said, I think it serves a purpose mm-hmm. artistically as opposed to just doing it for the sake of doing it. Yeah, that, that whole sequence is really nicely done. But I, I think everything in this book, art-wise, like I said, I, I I would have liked for a couple of the panels to have a little bit of tighter inking. Uh, but other than that, there's really nothing I can say negative. And even that, it's really more a just kind of a stylistic choice as opposed to a criticism. Mm-hmm. Look at like the uh, when they when they break open the uh, the cylinder. And on, on that page, in the third panel, which is the first on the bottom row, he's got one tall, thin panel, and you could see, like, Gorgon slamming his foot down. And it's it's very compressed inside the panel. There's a lot, lot squeezed into that space. And yet, it just has that energy feeling to it. And it's followed up by the shot of uh, Karnak from behind, you know, karate chopping the cylinder. And there's just so much energy from those two panels that the next panel with Maximus waking out of his, uh, I guess, coma and, and the burst of energy coming out of his brain, it just seems to kind of that energy flows from panel to panel. And that's what you feel going across Earth to Black Bolt. Mm-hmm. I just think it's, it's, it's really, really well conceived and put together. You know that that sound effect when he strikes open the uh the um casket or bubble or whatever or that what is it what are they going cylinder cylinder wow dr bill cylinder (laughs) is that a klingon sound effect patak or if, if it was a an I instead of the exclamation point, it could be the former governor of New York, Pataki. <laughs> Pataki. So, just like I said, I just look at this. I, I think it's just so well done. Uh, I hadn't read this in years, and I was just re- I really enjoyed it. And it's yet another one I'm going to have to 
pick up and keep reading. Which, by the way, just to go on a tangent, uh, remember last week we covered the uh, of that RoboCop prime suspect number mm-hmm. one? Yeah. I, I said I, w- I wanted to read the rest of that. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read I, – I didn't read ahead, but I read like the Wikipedia entry that talked about the rest of it. And it pretty much said that who we thought the villain was going to be was the villain. Yep. And, that, and then he had – very uninspired. <laughs> I thought the beginning was good. The beginning hooked me, but the rest of it really just didn't do much for me. Mm-hmm. And I think I was the only one who really thought the beginning was particularly good. So, you guys, you got your your yours and Tom's instincts were on the money for that one. <laughs> but uh, it, it, I do remember reading the rest of this and enjoying it. But I, it's been so long that I will probably pull these issues out and read them all. Well, does he say anything? <laughs> I mean, well, I'm yes, in... he and he, he destroys New York City. Oh man, you spoiled it. Like, how does somebody shut him up? Or does, like, you know, does, like, somebody come, come by and shove a hot dog in his mouth? Hey, you look hungry. I don't, I don't recall. <laughs> I do know he doesn't destroy the city, but how it happens, I don't remember. That's why I want to pull it out and read it again. What happens when he gets a cold? At you. <laughs> it's like buildings are collapsing every time he sneezes. At you. Excuse if me. If oh, sorry. Much, <laughs> if he eats too much every time he burps, the <laughs> building collapses. Man, it's got to be rough. It's rough to be black. Good, it's a good thing I'm not black. Bolt. The whole world would be gone. With my sneezing and belching. And, you know. But anyway. You, you going to rate it? Yeah, I think it's time. Uh, the cover, I think, is good. I don't think it's great. I, I think it, it... In design, I think it works. I actually, surprisingly enough, think the Black Widow side is superior to the Black Bolt side. Uh, his his body just looks a little too by the numbers for me. Mm. Um, but it's not bad. It's not a bad cover at all. I there's no question in my mind at all that I would pick this up off the newsstand and you know if when when it came out and I would have I would have enjoyed having it. Uh, but I think it's you know it, it's good, but it's not great. I'm going to say a B on the cover. The story I found to be pretty compelling. I thought it was a good way to 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 have the Inhumans as you know their own entity and and to have the series with them as the stars in it uh, i can't remember what happened in the first four issues right now so you know this is the beginning of a new storyline and i think it was really cool uh i would say a b plus on the story and the art i can find very very little to criticize at all and my criticism like i said is more stylistic than as far as execution so i'm going to say just an a for the store for the art and i'm going to overall give the book an a minus okay didn't we do haven't we done one of the inhumans books with amazing adventures already like a later one like I don't in the think teens we did an amazing adventures book no they weren't they didn't last to the teens they only got to issue 10 oh did we just do issue, a oh did we do a different inhuman beast. series then I think the next Inhuman series, which was the one with George Perez, Perez that's right. Kane later. That's I think right. we did. I think we did the first issue of that series. Okay, that maybe that's it. Yeah. All right, cover. Yeah, I was thrown off, but then I forgot that Amazing Avengers was sometimes like a split book because I'm like the Inhumans and Black Widow. I'm like that's a weird pairing, but then I realized just oh. to, to give you the breakdown on it, the first I believe eight issues were Inhumans and Black Widow. 
Issues 9 and 10 were just the Inhumans. From 11 to 17 is the Beast. And from 18 to, I believe, 36 was Kill Raven, and then the series was canceled after that. Is this the is this a series where the beast changes? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. All right. And we covered that issue. Yeah. He changes in our Jerry Conway tribute. I think I think it was just me and Mike Bailey actually. Hmm. Oh, okay. Maybe that's why I'm not remembering. And you probably just did the beast story. Well, it was just a beast story at that point. It was, oh. It was okay. only it was only a split book for the first eight issues. After that, it was just one. Story. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. All right. Well, uh, for the cover, yeah, I'm kind of with, with you on this. I think the, I think the right side has a little bit more to offer than the left. Although the 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 building being shattered in the background is really nice, but the, uh, it's the foreground that's a little lacking, um, and uh, the foreground of the Black Widow. Woohoo! I mean, you know. So I will give the cover a. I think we're gonna give it a B minus. The story, eh, aside from the, I guess, you know, just suddenly Karnak and, and Gorgon are just suspicious of Black Bolt, which is kind of head-scratching, um, and why he just decides to come to an alley in the, you know, a back alley in New York is kind of strange as well. Uh, but you take those things away, and you mix them all together, and that's the facts of life. No. Um, I'm going to give the story a B- minus as well. Uh, the art is... I have no problem with the art, much like you, except I kept confusing certain character models as being done by John Byrne. Um, another one is actually on the second page, where Gorgon has his hand on Medusa's shoulder and he's turning and pointing to the cylinder i swear that looks like a john Byrne gorgon what do you think uh, i would say maybe this artwork might have influenced john Byrne. maybe so i'm gonna give the yeah, I art mean, it does it i do see some i mean just isolate the face don't look at the <coughs> rest of me. it just look at the face to me I do see some similarities and I, I don't deny that to you but i i like i said i never would i don't think i ever would have mistaken it for john Byrne. well i like I said, I did it first because I didn't see who did it, and only and to me, Black Bolt looked like a burned Black Bolt. So, boom, there you go. But uh, so, regardless as to who I thought drew it, <laughs> I'm going to give the art an A. So that comes out B minus. Two B minuses an A. Uh, I guess an A minus. A minus B plus. Right around there, teetering on the edge, the verge, as it would be. That's Amazing Adventures. Amazing Adventures number five. It's amazing. Uh, well, I guess we're done for... Oh, wait, wait. I think I have a book. Yay. <coughs> we're out of time. So, good night, everybody. <laughs> no, 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 no. I have a book. And are we ready for a book? Sure. Why don't you just attack away on this one? And as one who always likes to bring oddities to the show about women who are discovering things and about themselves and, you know, off on little parallel universes, much like um, Apollo Smile 
But this is not Apollo Smile because there was only two books and we covered them all. So there is no more Apollo Smile. So instead, we now have Amethyst, Princess of the Gem World. Yeah, baby. And I can, you know, you know, I actually have all of the all of the 12 issue miniseries. And I believe I can go back and double check. I believe I have all of the 16 issues that follow. That's right. I am a Amethyst Princess of the Gem World fan. <laughs> and I also went to the Olivia Newton-John concert with Matt Hunsworth and his wife. Just want to point that out for anybody gets any ideas. And I like Xanadu. I'm not afraid. Say it. So anyway, my book, Amethyst Princess of the Gen World, is by was published by DC. Cover date is May 1983. Paul, what were you doing in 1983 in May? I would have been finishing my sophomore year in college. Or yes. Nice hopping into your Trans Am T Bird. Uh, what was I driving at that point? It was some. Some very fuddy-duddy kind of car that my dad it was, a was Toyota, use. a Datsun. It was it was not a cool car, but it was a Datsun B210. I was still very thankful to my dad for letting me use the car at all. Well, way back when for this issue, the cover price was sixty cents. Whew. Wow, so expensive. Ah, if only these days would come back. Our writers, our co-writers, are Dan Mishkin and Gary Cohn. Artist is er- Ernie Cologne. Letter is John Costanza. Colorist is Thomas J. Zuiko. Sayuko. And editor is Karen Bergen. And the title is The Birthright. But I skipped. Ah, right. I skipped. Let's talk about the cover. Let me get back to the book because I'm unprepared. Come on, how many pages are in this damn book? Ah, we have a picture of Amethyst, Princess of the Gem World, in her little uh, fancy schmancy outfit, long flowing blonde hair. It's a tight fitting uh, purple outfit, hence Amethyst, purple boots, like purple, like uh, type dress thing, purple bodysuit, gold um, bracers, gold belt, very stylish, very chic around her neck. She has a little. Uh, Amethyst uh, gemstone, hence Amethyst. And in the background, we have uh, a red-eyed freak who uh, we will actually discover is Lord Opal, but his basically his face dominates the whole background. And basically, she's covering up his nose and his mustache, and you can see his eyes leering on each side of her. And uh, his uh, his skin has like a striped type pattern to it. Uh, any comments on the cover, or you'll just save them till later? Uh, well, for the most part, I'll save till later, but I, I think this is a pretty decent cover. Mm. I think the cover outshines the interior art. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. We'll we'll get to that when we get to the art discussion. I have some things, like, good and bad to say about it. So, here's a synopsis, and guess what? I wrote this synopsis, but I have gotten better through the years and learned not to write down every single stinking panel. Because <laughs> it's a synopsis. It's not a complete rehash of the book. So I've learned. In theory. In theory. So we'll see how this goes and see if see if I get a good grade on this. <clears throat> of course, the opening sentence is going to think that I'm not going to get a good grade because the opening splash shows a young Amy Watson waking and through various shots of her in her bedroom, she ages and changes into Princess Amethyst, being transported into the gem world where creatures and danger await. We think this is a dream, but all will be revealed. 
a small creature appears and leaves a wrapped package in the house. As Amy and her parents return from dinner, she opens the gift, which is a large amethyst gemstone necklace. Marion and Herb, her parents, are puzzled as neither of them gave it to her. She goes upstairs later to her bedroom, admiring the gift, whereupon opening her closet, a large ogre-like creature wielding a snake grabs her and calls her Amethyst and Princess. The creature takes her into a portal to Fortress Opal, and as she passes through, she ages and becomes a young woman now wearing a purple outfit, much like the purple outfit on the cover, except for the headdress and the bracers and the dress. She is brought before another man who confirms that she is indeed Princess Amethyst and told and and, and blah, and was told that his master may not want to put her to dead too quickly due to her beauty. As the ogre that brought her and his brother take her away to the dungeon, they decide to rape her. Why not? Instinctively, she uses some type of power to fend off one of the attackers. Another person intervenes and kills the two before they can harm her. Her name is Granch, not to be confused with Grinch, and a friend, and he will take her somewhere safe. Granch brings her to Citrina. You getting these gem names yet? No, not really. Who knows Amy? And she seems to know her. Quickly, though, they have to leave by Citrina's magic before Lord Sardanox arrives. Granch stays behind to fight the approaching Death Hounds and dispatches them, but promises to flee afterward and rejoin them. The man we previously saw greeting Amy as she entered this world arrives and sees his Death Hounds dead and vows vengeance on those that have humiliated him, Lord Sardonyx. Elsewhere, Amy and Citrina arrive at Castle Amethyst. Hey, it's purple. Imagine that. Amy is treated like, well, a princess and, tired from the journey, falls asleep and meets with Citrina the next day. She is the heir to the House of Amethyst, and her parents ruled the gem world justly until Lord Opal and Sardanox betrayed and murdered them. Citrina hid was uh, hid her on Earth for safety, and since time flows differently there from here, she is actually 20 here and 13 there. Huh? What the... Amy is rattled and wants to go home, but before Citrina can uh, oblige... <laughs> I wrote Ogle here. Um, <laughs> Freudian slip. Whoops. <laughs> the castle is attacked by Sardanox. At least I could edit on the fly. Citrina takes Amy to the parapet, spelled correctly, and attempts to use her magic to fight Sardanox off. She is too old and weak and implores Amy to help. She is able to help Amy slash Amethyst, coax her power out, and fend off the attack. Sardanox tries a last-ditch magic bolt to take down uh, Amy, but Citrina bats it away as if nothing. Wait, wasn't she weak earlier? Never mind. I think she's playing possum like the Emperor at the end of uh, Episode 3. But anyway. He sneaks away to be berated by his master, Lord Opal, while Amy goes back home, uh, Wizard of Oz style. Ooh, the power was always within you. Oh, whatever. Back to her parents who are confused because they know she was gone, but is now here again. Later, she uses her gemstone to return back to the gem world, which she just left. So now it'll be, I don't know, a couple days later. I don't know. Where a possible assassin is waiting in the wings. The end well, dun, dun, dun. of that issue. 
And uh, next time on an all-new Amethyst Princess of the Gem World. Stall, stall, stall till I get to the last page. Oh, it just says to be continued. Crap. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. So, first off about the art. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. And overall, I don't want to say bad things about Ernie Cologne, but it feels like a... I don't want to say po- I don't where, I, I don't want to say poor man's. I'm just going to say it looks Gil Kane like. That's exactly what I was going to say. There's points where it feels like a weak imitation of Gil Kane. I mean, sometimes I think it looks fairly strong, but then other times it just doesn't. I I like like some of the good stuff is the flashback sequence. I kind of like. It definitely looks better in the whatever you want to call it, the All crystal colors. world, the gem world, whatever it is. Yeah. Than it does in the and maybe that's a real Disney. world. That that could be an art choice. That I, I would imagine it is, but I don't like the choice. Um in the when when she's a child and with her family, it looks like it looks like a children's book. Actually. It looks like a step above an Archie comic in the art style. And then when she is in the gem world, it kind of looks like... A step below a Gil, Conan book? Gil Kane in almost like a sword and sorcery story. Mm-hmm. And that's not bad. It's not as good as if Gil Kane drew it, I don't think. But it's not bad. Right. <clears throat> you know how on, on the Inhuman story I said I read this and I wanted to read more? Yes. Can't say that about this issue. Oh, Really? Oh. I read it and it's like, okay, you know what? I didn't think it was a bad story, but it didn't give me the desire to read anymore. And I think to some extent that might have to do with the fact that it's just not a story that's intended for me. Mm. This, this is, yeah, this, you know what this is? This is this is an attempt to create a book for a young girl to read with a Shazam-like motif to it. Right. Well, well, peeling back the curtain, the reason I own all these is because when I was uh, younger and I was collecting comics. My mother got into this, and she was the one that, you know, I tracked down the rest of these just to complete the collection because she had started it, and she liked reading them. And my mother at that time would have been in her, like her mid-30s. So, I mean, she kind of enjoyed these herself, and I've read them later. And it's been a lot. I probably haven't read these since I was, you know, 15. So it's been interesting to go back to, and I will probably reread the rest of them, just just because I remember it gets pretty darn dark later on. I mean, it's not real light to begin with. No, it's not. And I, like I said, I don't even think it's bad. It's just not. I'm not the intended audience for it. Mm-hmm. It isn't meant to appeal to me, and it doesn't. <laughs> right. But that that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's not for me. Uh, I do not. I, I'm just looking at my. Uh, my what you call it? My uh, CLZ Comics app, and seeing that I do not have this issue, but I did when it came out, and that would be because at this time I had a pull list at the local comic store, and there were all the books that I was getting, but they were also under instructions that at that time any number one issue I took. Oh, okay. So I did have this at one time. I do not know what what became of it. Mm. Yeah, because this was a twelve issue maxi series. 
And then, um, which was kind of rare back then. I mean, that wasn't too often. I mean, cause no, back, and, and back then I could, you know, I could have a standing order to give me every number one issue because they didn't come out with number one issues every other week. Right, right. And then later this would be, there was another 16 issues later. And then she was actually introduced in the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, but I was like a, I think it was a 16 page pullout and I don't know if it was from this or not. I've never actually seen what that was, which I, I mean, this, probably have that issue. It was like two ninety eight, I want to say. I'm going to look that up. Now. <laughs> so anyway, uh, while you're looking that up, some of the art choices like, uh, page 18 of the art where Lord Sardonyx's troops are attacking. Man, they're pretty scary looking. I mean, some are just look like like evil villains, like yeah, yeah, mustache twirling guys. But there's one guy that gets has like a wolf, uh, baboon face. Like he's got a wolf face and it's all white on the top, uh, and he's got huge teeth, big old tongue sticking out. I mean, these guys are pretty nasty looking. And uh. Like I was saying in the flashback ones to where, you know, we have uh, Lady and Lord Amethyst, you know, they ruled the well realm and all was peaceful and just and happy and, you know, roses and unicorns. And then the next shot you see where uh, Lord Opal has taken over and um, um, Lord Amethyst is gripping his side. He has blood gushing from his side, it appears. Lady Amethyst has a is holding holding up her husband with a broken sword in her hand. There's all these dead bodies piled around on the floor, and Lord uh, Opal's looking on. So, they didn't last long. And then uh, that's where Citrina, uh, no, another gem name, uh, had whisked her away to Earth, and then feigned loyalty to Lord Al Opal so that he wouldn't destroy the rest of the uh, the House of Amethyst. I mean, you know, it's it's a typical sword and sorcer sword and sorcery story. Mm -hmm. Just with a female protagonist, which mm -hmm. yeah, because usually it's fine, the male but... heir that's hidden becomes like, uh, you know, and, and then finds the magical weapon that gains in power. And here she's given given the necklace on her thirteenth birthday, and um, which you... there's something a little little creepy about that. Yeah, the fact that she goes from a thirteen year old to a twenty year old and back and, again, and, but but in her mind she's still a thirteen year old, as far as I could tell. Yeah, I don't remember if it gets a little creepy. I think there's a romance. It feels so... creepy. It feels like I feel dirty just reading that. <laughs> like a dirty old man reading. Oh yeah, yeah, take the. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're twenty now. <laughs> it's <laughs> no. okay. You're legal now, little girl. <laughs> well, plus the two ogres would have rape her. <laughs> They're raping a. She's a thirteen year old in her mind, and she's about to be raped by two ogres. Oh my God! <laughs> I mean, if you're a, little, a young girl reading this book and you're like, "What?" You know, I mean, she doesn't get raped, but my God! And then that that uh, 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 Grinch <laughs> wanted to say Grinch. Grinch comes and saves her, um, but he like snaps their neck, and uh, oh yeah. Snaps. I mean, he like squeezes the one guy's neck until he's, he's like, you can see, he just cracked his neck, and mm -hmm. does the same thing to to the other guy. And here again, it's, she, it's pretty brutal. She's just a thirteen year old girl in a twenty year old body. Ooh. Ah, that's not creepy. And that's that's the whole thing right there. Like, you know, I can... <laughs> you know, one sentence to describe the creepiness. Yeah. 
I guess I kind of when I was doing my synopsis, I just kind of glossed over that because I was in in a hurry. But yeah, yeah, I don't know if I should go back and read this now. I'm gonna put on a watch list or something. <laughs> hey, what are you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm just reading Amethyst, Princess of the Gem World. All right, you're coming with us. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, the page four to where she ages. Mm-hmm. It's you know she's the thirteen year old. Then wait, maybe she's sixteen, and then she's eighteen, and then she's forty. <laughs> I mean, it's like that's a look like I don't know. Yeah, really. It's like that's that's like in the thirties there. I think you went a little too far. And how does her cha- how does her clothes change? But eh, whatever, magic. Her freckles go away. Well, you know, sometimes you grow out of them. I guess. Yeah, that's weird. She's probably like, finally, I lost the damn freckles. Oh crap, they came back. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, the art does change when she gets to the gem world, for the better. There's all these like faces everywhere on everything. You notice that in the background? There's like on walls and like at the top of columns. Mm-hmm. That's really yes. f- scary looking. It's like a it, it's just it's creepy. Like <laughs> <laughs> everything's creepy notice. about this book. <laughs> no, but what I do notice is. There's an inconsistency on the detail work. Some points mm. it looks pretty detailed, like like that full page splash with her being brought to the gem world. You know, there's a lot of detail on the on the columns and the walls and everything, and then there's others where there's just a blank background. Yeah, and we've had that. I mean, that's not just this art. We've had that with other d- different artists, but yeah. Oh, what? You mean the first one where she's... Oh, in case you're wondering why there's snakes and dragons everywhere, uh, Sardanox is Lord of the Serpents, by the way. Because the one after Gronch kills the guys and he's bending down, I don't even know how he's making that bend and not falling on his face. Because he's one knee down, the other leg straight behind him, both arms out to his side, and he's bending down with his head all the way to her ankle. How is he not falling over to the left? Poof. And over strong glutes. I guess so. Because over his shoulder we have one of the ogres and it looks like he's wearing tidy whiteies. And then way in the background you, you see that that like lizard poking in through 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 the door like, Hey, yep. what's going on here, guys? Ooh, this looks bad. I think I need to leave. <laughs> and then you got a snake it's, that's coming up. It's like the... Beanie and Cecil. Then <laughs> <laughs> you got a snake that's coming up behind uh Amethyst slash Amy like What's up? <laughs> so there's like snakes everywhere. You know, this, this place would freak me out. I can't stand snakes. And no, I'm not in, in Indiana Jones. I just hate snakes. Jock. Yeah. I hate them. <laughs> Grow a backbone, would you? That's just my pet snake, Reggie. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Grant. You never did get to see Jock again. Oh, yeah, that would be nice. Is it J-O-C-K or J-A-C-Q-U-E-S? I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you tomorrow when I go to the bar. And you're like... Rrr, 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 rrr. Yeah, throw that out to the crowd. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, Grunch, later we see... He looks like uh, like a bit vampiric. Yes. Or de- some type of demon because he's got fangs and... you know, But he's got that cool headdress. Or is that his eyebrows? I don't know. It's like stuck on his head. I think somebody just glued that on there when he was sleeping. Smack that right on there. He's not going to even notice. What? What do you mean? What is? Why is my head itch? 
stop laughing at me. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? You told me to. <laughs> so, um, I had to double take because the sequence where she gets to the, it's kind of cute where she gets to the, and I guess maybe a tad creepy <laughs> when she gets <laughs> when she gets to. Um, Castle Amethyst and she bends down and she's petting all the little birds and the pink mouse cat thing with the, the lizard tail you know because you're thinking again she's a 13 year old little girl playing with little animals and then mm-hmm. two, and then the next two panels she's naked <laughs> hey, what's up with that <laughs> those three side panels on that middle yes. splash I, I was like, wait a minute, was that a coloring mistake? What's going it's, on here? It's I, not for some well-placed hair. And then I backed up, and I realized, oh, my God, they've taken her clothes off. I never even saw that as a little kid. You know, he's, this, this woman has taken her clothes off, carried her into the bath with her clothes on, no less. And just, you know, then she just drifts away and falls asleep. And next you see her, she's just wearing that slinky outfit. And, you know, she's brought before um, Citrino, who is like the emperor. Something's going on with her. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's looking I, like a nun to me. Well, you, you can't trust him. No, sorry. She pull out the ruler. Quack. Yeah. So, but what do you think of that center splash? Do you think, uh, creepiness aside, do you, what do you think of the art there of her in her headdress? Uh... Not crazy about it, actually. I think her 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 uh, anatomy looks a little messed up in that shot. Her her waist looks too thin. Her upper body just doesn't look. Something's off on it. Her legs are too long. Her face, yeah, her her legs her, are a bit long. Her face, I can't place what like where I might have seen that look, or I don't know. It just looks it 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 looks familiar. But um, uh, point of note, I did a little research to see what else I might have read that er Ernie Colon had done. And he did the first three episodes, uh, issues of uh, Marvel's Battlestar Galactica, which would have probably all been the um, retelling, if I remember correctly, of the movie or the first, you know, the first two episodes. Right. The pilot. Yeah. So... But yeah, like you compare that detail, you go the next page over to where you got that full face shot of her, which is like really detailed. Which is also kind of odd because she had just ripped off the headdress and now she's wearing the headdress again. Oh, no, wait. No, no, no. Because that actual panel links. Sorry, my mistake. I just noticed the the word balloon comes from uh, one, two, three panels up where she says uh, that, oh, I was that infant, and you arranged my adoption. Where she fig- she figures out who she is. So okay, so then she takes the headdress. Then she takes the headdress. Three on. panels later. Yeah. Okay. But like that I'm one's really that. pretty detailed. It doesn't look bad. Well, it, but that's it's like very, an ex- it's very inconsistent. But that's like an extreme close up too. Look! Look at the on page seventeen of the book, last panel. Look at uh, what her name is. Citrona's face. <laughs> yeah, she looks like. She looks like she, she looks like somebody just somebody just threw you know uh, acid on her. Yeah, two face, but got the whole face, you know. Yeah, see, it's something. Then up. on page eighteen, we have man wolf. Yeah, see, that's what I'm telling you. That's that's a scare. That's like a nightmare-inducing picture. 
Blah. He looks like the Joker and, and Man Wolf stuck together. I don't know. Just ugh. scary, scary, scary. So I'm a little dubious of how Citrina says, you know, oh, my magic is weak. I can't do anything. And then she's like, you know, I think she had enough magic all along because she gets her um, Amy to use her power to basically shatter Sardonyx's forces. And then when Sardonyx like whips a bolt at her, look at the there's what a page 22. Look at the look that Citrina has. It just bats that bolt away like it's nothing. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Seems like with her eight up. arms. Yeah, you got one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh yeah, eight arms. Yeah. And then the bottom, on the bottom of that page, where the look, the the face is just kind of distorted. Like her lips, like her face, like her mouth. See, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, doesn't look like a natural. Where where she's crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at least at that one, she looks like she's about twenty years old. Yeah, yeah. And then she decides, uh, um, you know, I want to go home. Oh, the oh, you have the gemstone. The power was always in you, Dorothy. Poof! She goes home, and now she's a little girl. Creepy. Because mm-hmm. meanwhile, the parents were searching through the house and couldn't find her because mere moments passed while she was gone, and above the dog that something was up. And then uh, now you get to see um, Lord Opal that looks like a zebra, like a zebra. And and I'm trying to think, you know, like what else had sex? A zebra and Grand Admiral Thrawn from Star Wars had sex. Zebra and a blue meanie. (laughs) And uh, Lord uh, Sardonyx is bowing before him. Now look at this on page... 24. I had to look closely at that picture because I that I was like, is somebody giving somebody a a hummer? No, 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 no. What? No. <laughs> no, they're not. Uh, but, no, he's just bowing. He's I doing know, but bow. those arms look like legs, and then you have a pair. And I'm just like, then you see the <laughs> hand, and it's like, oh, okay, there's a hand over there. All right, that is somebody bowing. But if you covered up that hand and you. <laughs> Cut that picture from another angle. It's like, what the heck? So, yeah. Did I mention this book was meant for 13-year-old girls? I, I, yeah, I know. I know. It's just like there's, uh, I don't know, hidden messages. So, uh, yeah, so Amy goes to bed and goes, hey, I think I'm going to go back over there now. <laughs> doesn't, this, doesn't she need to get some sleep? <laughs> or does she want to rest in the restful bath that the... Uh, the other woman will undress her and drop her in. Mm. <laughs> so poof, she goes back and uh, some unknown individual uh, sees her coming in and he's got a uh, uh, a little knife out and says, uh, mm, the reports of her beauty do not do her justice. A pity that beauty fades so quickly and is so easily scarred. Dun, dun, dun. This, book, this book has the feel of like a... Uh... Like a tie-in to a uh, to a toy. Hmm. Like like if if I found out that the, you know they had come out with the amethyst action figure at the same time as this, it would not be surprising at all. Hmm. Vamp, vamp. I'll take a look. I don't believe it did. Princess of the Gem World. And then on the last page, we have an ad for Intellivision, which is 
at the time this came out, it seemed so cutting edge. And you look at it now, and it's such horrible graphics. This is just crazy. And then we also had uh, the Star Wars Jedi Arena. That was for the Atari. Oh, I had that. Oh, yeah. And I thought it was the bomb. And it's another one with, I mean, it's 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 like an overhead shot looking down, and all you have is kind of a, a, a dot with a lightsaber stick coming out. That's <laughs> what it was. That's, yeah, that was... Uh... Yeah, you could, uh, that was the two of you. And that little dot in the center was the probe that shoots back and forth and shoots the lightning at you. That was pretty much it. Mm -hmm. And I think you could go head-to-head against somebody. And that was all you could do. It was about yeah, as, I think that's it. Yeah, it was about as good as the um, the Walker, the Empire Strikes Back game, where you, you, you at least had something that looked like a, land, uh, a, a snow speeder and you could fly. You know, you would fly around, um, you would just shoot. There was, like, one spot you could hit on the walker, and you had to, you know, like, each round it got faster and faster, and that was pretty much it. Oh, yeah, and then, the yeah, because the back, yeah, the back page is what? Lock and chase? <laughs> God, what a lame yeah, it's, game. It's horrible. Dungeons and Dragons was a cool game. Well, I guess I guess lock and chase was kind of a takeoff on, uh, whatchamacallit, Pac-Man. Yeah. Did you see? So the, I, uh, I did a quick look up. I do not find any amethyst toys. I didn't find any either. It was like maybe one that somebody had made up themselves. Did you see the in-house ad in the middle of the uh, of the book? It's like would be page after page seventeen art. Yeah, uh, for, for amethyst. Yeah, it right. Says Amy was an ordinary girl until last night, and they got one side of her face. Uh, as I guess the 13 year old and then their hair kind of goes off on the other side and then the other side's in darkness and I guess it shows her as the older Amethyst and Lord Opal in the background and a bunch of fighting and dragons and stuff. I mean it's really pretty interesting artwork. Well as a 13 year old she has the worst freckles ever. God those are like Morgan Freeman freckles on her. Like somebody <laughs> That's exactly what they look like. <laughs> <laughs> old man Morgan Freeman freckles. <laughs> Or somebody splotched gray paint all over her face. <coughs> so, was, was there any other good ads in here? Oh, there's a D and D adventure. Oh, imagine that! There's a Dungeons and Dragons ad in here. Huh. Mm. Bubble yum. Mm, delicious. Yeah, that's about it. You want to rate this? Yep, yeah, I'll rate it. Uh, you know what? Hold on a second. Who did the cover? I don't think that's that's Ernie Cologne also. Really, you could see uh, just above the uh, the UPC. Oh yeah, box. it's right there in one of the lines of uh, uh, Opal's face. Yeah, Ernie Cologne. Yeah, see, this looks different from then the inside. Yeah, it does look different. I think it's it looks better. Yeah. The inside. I'm gonna give the cover for myself, um, because I like the touch in Opal's eyes, a little white. The, the white circles, you know, showing like a reflection or something, whatever mm -hmm. that is. Uh, I'm going to give it a, um, I'm going to give it a B plus for the cover. The story, ooh, ooh, do I separate the creepiness now? Do I, do I? The story is the story. <laughs> what are you separating? Do I, do I look at it for the target audience, which would make it even creepier? <laughs> Well, that's. I mean, you can you can rate it as for the target audience as compared to for a middle aged man, but uh, I don't think you could separate it 
and read it. Because the creepiness is even there if you think about it. Yeah, it's either there or it's not. Yeah. So the story, mm, it's interesting, and I like the whole setup of the gem world, and I'm interested to maybe hear the other houses. Because there's, oh, I kind of skimmed over that. There's 12 houses, 12 ruling houses. Each is going to be a gemstone. Um, you know, you think maybe they take turns. I don't know. That's, so I'd be interested to find out more about that because I just don't remember. I know more houses will be introduced and, and such. Uh, hey, maybe this will become a recurring thing. And Paul's like, God, no, please. <laughs> Not another. I thought I got rid of Apollo's smile. No. This will be your version of Sleepwalker Corner. <laughs> yes. Chris, Chris and I can just do the Amethyst Sleepwalker show. <laughs> You're welcome to do that anytime you once want. Once DC, once Marvel, <laughs> we can knock them out. Although I enjoy the, I enjoy the Sleepwalker one. <laughs> hey, so oh man, uh, ooh, even with creepiness, I think I'm just gonna have to give it a C and just remain neutral. I'll be Switzerland <laughs> and give it a C. The art, um, yeah, see this, the art I, I like sometimes, and other times it's just it's up and down. I feel I can only give because of the up and downness of the art. I can only give it a C, so C C and a B plus. It's going to be a C plus overall okay. for the book. I think the cover is pretty solid. Uh, I like the color pattern. I like just the individual drawings. Uh, I think the cover is a B. I, I think it's good. I don't think it's great, but I think it's good. The story. I'm, I'm having a little bit of difficulty because from my perspective, the story did really nothing for me, and I'd probably give it a, a D. But as you suggested, you know, trying to look at it maybe from the point of view of the target audience, it is a little difficult. <laughs> there are certain books where I could say, oh, yeah, 13-year-old girl would like this. This one is not quite so easy to for me to get a handle on what a 13-year-old girl would think of it this might be what a goth 14 uh 13 year old girl would like i mean i'm not that (laughs) far removed from having a 13 year old daughter i have a 16 year old daughter so i don't think this would have really grabbed her to be honest with you so i'm gonna i'm gonna say a c minus from that perspective or a d from my perspective (laughs) uh the artwork i feel is very inconsistent although we said sometimes possibly intentionally so Mm mm-hmm but even within the different sections, it's still somewhat inconsistent anyway. Uh, I don't see a lot that I think is really good, although I do see some that I think is not bad. Uh, but I also see some that I think is actually bad. So I'm going to say a C- minus on the artwork as well. And overall, I'm going to give the book a C-. minus. Mm, okay. The cover doesn't save it doesn't say well it brought it up a little for me so all right we, we want to do an official out for the show or that was you got something i don't know i don't have any i don't have anything to, oh well no i was gonna say email but we don't really have a lot to save it plus it's all 10 and you gotta go to bed i'm tired and i get some stuff to get ready for tomorrow before i go to bed so so all right, so we'll, all right we'll, we'll just do it officially we'll, we'll call it a night on that and uh Thanks for joining me, Bill. All right. As always, a pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us. Ramble on. Sing my song. Ramble on. To the gem world we go. Wait, that just doesn't work. Bye. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. I would drink myself, because this would be edited out for time. Unless you just leave it in anyway, because I'm going to babble. Mm-hmm, that is a tasty beverage. <sighs> Maybe this will be an outtake. Maybe not. I was just doing the big finale. You'll have to put all that in at the end. It was gold, man. It was gold. It was podcasting gold. Okay. <clears throat>